Well, it's wonderful to be here this morning. Um, yes, I'm the chaplain at the prison. It has been uh, such an amazing thing. God just truly opened the doors for me to be able to do that, and I'm truly blessed there. Um, I do hold Christian services there most Sundays. You know, COVID has thrown a wrench in everything. And in those services, I don't call a worship service. I call them celebrating our worship uh, because worship is so much more than what we can do in any one service. Uh, years ago, after reading Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church, um, it, I, I began to look at worship differently, and uh, it brought me to this love of for, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, especially from the message version, and that's what's up here. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you, in other words, applying your life with what God does to, for us, is the best thing you can do for him. It's our spiritual act of worship. So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, while I was preparing for this message, the words maturity and immaturity kept popping up. So this is how I think. Mature Christians are those whose lives are marked with a stability developed through a day-in and day-out diligent relationship with Jesus and his word growing in every way like him. Mature Christians are not easily led astray by worldly cultures, ways that are contrary to the word of God. Interacting with God's word, with the help of his Holy Spirit in us, God transforms us into a new person by renewing our minds. So when I think about in responding to the surrounding culture, that uh, the Romans 12 verse was talking about it, I've thought about maturity and immaturity like this. Maturity as embracing childlikeness. That's kind of a different thought, isn't it? Versus childishness, okay? So it's the way Jesus called us. He called us to be like children. He called us to become humble, repentant, and trusting. That word repentant, as Chris was saying, you know, it's that 180 degrees, but we know it's 180 because of what Jesus teaches us through his word or from his example. So I think of repentance as like this. It's aligning, it starts out with aligning our thinking with Jesus. We want to think the way he does. We want our attitudes to be what he can bless. We want our words and actions to be lined up with his. That's how I think of repentance. So Immaturity, I think of as reflecting childishness, and that's doing whatever we feel like or whatever we want without consideration. An expression I use a lot, a lot, I'm sure the women at the prison are tired of hearing me say it, 
I use this expression, what am I letting my attitudes, what am I letting inform my attitudes, words, and actions? Or usually I say, what are you letting inform your attitudes, words, and actions? So I ask myself, am I letting what culture allows or promotes to be informing me? Or am I letting what the Word of God says? Um, I want my renewed mind to be what informs my attitude, words, and actions. Uh, so using the culture around us with maturity or with immaturity as a framework, let's talk about 2020. It's about to end. What can I say that I learned or hope to learn from this year? Social media has given us sort of an overall picture of what 2020 has been about. We'll see slides will come up that will show us these pictures. Ah, here. If 2020 were a slide, <laughs> that one just kind of creeps. Next. If, if 2020 were a scented candle, <laughs> if 2020 were a pinata, if 2020 were a drink, it would be a colonoscopy prep. <laughs> the last one. If 2020 were a swing, bam. Haven't we all kind of felt like we've hit a wall at some point? So what can I say I've learned during this time? Using my framework that I talked about, maturity and immaturity. I've learned that I need to adjust my attitude towards circumstances. <sighs> We've experienced very difficult circumstances throughout the year. We couldn't physically go to church. We couldn't physically meet for small groups. Um, I was unable to go to prison for five months. I wasn't in the prison for five months. That was really hard for me. We had a new grandbaby born in Germany. My son is stationed in North Carolina. The baby and mother are in Germany. And my son still hasn't been able to see his baby, nine months old because of COVID. Um, trips have been canceled. Masks. Masks, yeah. Limbo, not knowing what's going to happen next, how we're supposed to respond in all of this. So here it is. An immature response to circumstances that we can't control is letting my raw emotions run my show. Here is a picture of a child throwing a tantrum. I like to think like this have a picture like this because it reminds me how I don't want to look to God. You know, people is one thing, but even to God, I don't want to look like I'm throwing a tantrum. So what do I need to remember? First of all, emotions, and I remind the women at the prison about this a lot, emotions are legitimate. Being sad is legitimate. Being angry is legitimate. Being frustrated feeling sorry, all of those are legitimate. Having those emotions are legitimate. God created emotions. Emotions in themselves aren't right or wrong. They are just there. However, God does have a say about what we should do. He wants us to process our emotions through him and his word. He wants us to talk to him when we're feeling sorry for ourselves. He doesn't want us to stay feeling sorry for ourselves. He wants us to talk to him about it. When we are angry, he gets it. We're allowed to talk to God. We're allowed to yell at God. But then he wants us to process our anger through him. 
We get into blaming. We get into feeling resentful. All of those things legitimate, but God wants us to process those emotions and how we're feeling with him. And usually he wants us to do it mostly with him and not with others, if you know what I mean. So here's another one of my favorite uh, scriptures that I quote a lot in the prison. And again, I love the message version here. I'm not going to read the first part. I'm going to just say where it goes to, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. There's that word again. Maturity. So my mature response to circumstances I can't control, one of the things I had to adjust my thinking was, the world doesn't revolve around me. <laughs> it doesn't revolve around me. I need to have the attitude of Jesus. Jesus came to this world, and he knew he had a purpose from the Father, and he just kept doing his purpose, no matter what the circumstances. And when we read the story of Jesus, we know the circumstances at the end of his life here were not good. But he knew what he was about. His purpose was more important than just what circumstances he was going through. This has been an excellent year to apply our lives to a verse that we know so well, and I'm sure we've laughed at. And this year it's like, okay, God, I get it, I get it. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Isn't this a good year for this to practice? It's a gift. Think of it as a gift. Recalculate my thoughts. You know that under pressure, your, life, your faith life is forced into the open and show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. In other words, I think that means we can't pray that all of this stops before it's time to stop. Uh, let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Again, that word mature. I think God wants us to become mature. James 1 in the New Living Translation, I, it, I like this one too. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Um, so when we have circumstances that we can't, can't control, God wants us to, to think about it in a different perspective. Think about it from the perspective of how can I grow closer to you, God, during this circumstance? How can my faith grow? How can my endurance grow? Lord, help me to see things from your perspective. And so what does he want us to do about it? It doesn't revolve around me, but God talks to me about me in every circumstance. Joy, how are you going to respond to this? All right? It's not about you, but how are you going to respond? And so I love Philippians 2, 13 through 15. Most of the time, I love it. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not what pleases me, but what pleases him. He gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lives in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So here's a chance for us just to do deal with circumstances, respond to circumstances with the attitude that he gives us, and we can be bright lights. We can be people that are a witness to a dark culture. One of the things I have to think about is, again, put in perspective, think about this. God must have a good reason to allow that churches can only have 25% capacity. God must have a reason to allow that traveling has come to a grinding slowdown. God must have a reason. He isn't always going to tell us what the reason is. When he came to earth as a baby, King Jesus, and people were rejoicing at the beginning of his life, no one had a clue how that was going to look. But God's purpose still persevered, and that's what we need to do. We can say, I trust you, God, that you have a reason for this. And then the last couple of months, I've been using the phrase, the upside of COVID. The upside of COVID. Sometimes it's, like, funny. You know, like uh, Barbara was saying, a lot of us had much quieter, less stressful Christmases, the upside of COVID. I went gray, the upside of COVID. <laughs> it's a lot less to do with my hair now that I've, I've allowed it to go gray. So what has happened is um, I've, when, when I've been discussing the present circumstances, it's turned complaining into gratitude. And that's such a key, is to be grateful to God for every moment and of every day. If we keep turning our attitudes of being grateful to God, he will show us what we can be grateful for. He can show us. Um, another thing that I've had to adjust this year is how I view people. This is the big one how I view people. Jesus has a lot to say about how we treat people and how our words should be used to and about people. The Sermon on the Mount is a good place to start. Uh, Jesus, in many places, talks about this is the way you used to think, this is the way you used to view people, this is how I want you to view people now. There's several verses. It's, it's a really great study reading through Matthew chapters 4 through 6. You get a feel for how Jesus wants you to view people, view him, view how you interact in your life. Uh, later on, he reiterates that the greatest commandment is the greatest commandments are love God and love others, and I like the definition of love as intentional caring. This is something else I say to the women all the time. Love isn't always a feeling of affection. God asks us to love, not necessarily have affection for people, but to intentionally care about them. How we choose to think about people seriously affects our attitudes, words, and actions toward them. I think it's important that we remember all people are valuable to God. All people, all people are valuable to God. He died for all. We need to keep that right here up top. When we think about people, we need to think they're valuable to God. No matter what they're doing, they're valuable to God. Remember, we're fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into a structure of life shaped by Christ. We're coming humble, repentant, 
trusting. So this has been a good year to practice. Practice in how we respond to people that we're spending more time with than ever before. <laughs> Some of us have really been enjoying it. Some of us, it's really hard being with people day in and day out that you're not used to and having to figure out how to work around them, how to interact with them, and to still stay married. Okay, things that we need to remember are that love overlooks a multitude of sins. Again, intentional caring. Something that I've had to do for all of these months, as happily married as I am, when you're with the same person day in and day out, it can get hard and you can let little things start to be a problem. And so I found I'm intentionally grateful when I start to get upset or annoyed, I'm intentionally grateful for who my husband is to me and what he has done for me. I'm choosing to take the situation and change how I'm thinking. And uh, it, it's made a huge difference and it's changing me. Doesn't necessarily change him, but it changes me and I'm responding with a living with a lot more peace in my heart. Um, this has been a good year to to uh, readjust or adjust how we respond to uh, people we don't agree with or people that hurt people that we love. Wow. This year has, we have seen and heard so much hate expressed. I'm just, it's just mind-boggling how much hate that's been expressed. And it's sad to me that I've seen hate expressed by my fellow Jesus followers. We need to be aware that we are responsible for our attitudes and words toward people in how we think and how we say and how we express. We are responsible for our attitudes and words. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's a place where he equates calling people stupid or an idiot as the same as murder. Jesus is serious about how we view people. He really wants us to be responsible for that. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let unwholesome, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech is as good for building up others according to the need of the occasion so that you will be a blessing to those you hear. Let your words. It doesn't mean you have to think that everything everybody does is wonderful, but you are responsible. Again, God talks to me about me. How am I going to respond to that? How am I going to? How does Jesus respond to me when I'm being horrible? How does he respond to me? With mercy, and he builds me up, and he calls me to a better place. It doesn't mean that we might not need to correct somebody, but how we correct them has everything to how we are seeing people. Do we see them as valuable or do they, we see them as somebody that I need to set right because, yeah, I'm right and they're wrong? Um, with social media so available, it is easy to be hateful at a distance. I realized I needed to be careful of my thoughts even when I'm alone because I'm never alone. God is here in me and he wants me to remember that people are valuable to him, all people. Matthew 12, 34 through 37 says this. This is one of those verses that 
you don't like to read because <laughs> it's harsh. It says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? He's talking to religious people. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The word you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Jesus is serious about the words that come out of our mouths or come out of our computers, or really what's in our thoughts, he's concerned. He wants our heart to remember that people are valuable. So right in the middle of COVID, a situation happened that just brought this very clear to me, and I'm not talking about the election, <laughs> I'm not talking about other things where people have disagreed and, and um, there have been wars online, but I'm talking about a situation that um, I know a woman who's working in a Christian organization and she had ended up not with people in that organization, but outside she ended up in an abusive relationship. And the abuser bullying her brought attention to her past deeds to the Christian organization. And of course, as Christians, they surrounded her with love and support. And this is great. I mean, this is what we're supposed to do as Christians. But it occurred to me that it was so easy for us to vilify the man that was abusing her. It was so easy to see him as the enemy and her as the victim and, and, and build this wall around her. And that attitude that seems so logical in this culture is not logical to God. God says we need to, again, see all people as valuable to him. That person that was bullying, that was being abusive, he needs God. He needs Jesus. He needs to know that God loves him and wants him to come to Jesus. If you look up 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, this, this reiterates it. Jesus, a God wants, desires that all people will come to him. So instead of us wanting bad things to happen to the person that's bullying we need to want him to come to Jesus. Now again, that doesn't mean that we have to pretend that what he's doing was good or right or anything. We don't even have to be the people that minister to him. But we have to, when we're talking about him, remind everybody that's involved that he's valuable and what he's doing is hurting himself as much as he's hurting her. So it just, it just became so clear. God really wants us to adjust our thinking about how we deal with with other people. Also, we need to practice how we view people that are making decisions for us. Um, it's been easy to complain about the decisions that are being made that we might not agree with. I've been trying to be intentional to curb my criticism and bring it around to, I am glad I'm not the one making decisions. This is a hard one, but we need to pray for our leaders. We need to not criticize, we need to pray. Um, we need to pray. First Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in dignity. One of the things I've tried to make 
a, a habit for me is to be curious instead of critical about any person that I'm having to interact with, whether in person or, or at a distance. Um, it's, it's not safe. Well, I'll never meet them. God cares about the attitude of our hearts. So the other thing, the last thing is, I need to, I've needed to adjust how I contemplate the future. Um, for a while, it seemed like there was kind of a thought or a feeling or a sense that on January 31st, the world would reset and we would go back to normal. How many people just, you know, maybe you were teasingly thinking that, but it's sort of, yeah, ha, <laughs> normal. I seriously never thought that we'd still be dealing with the COVID settings here at the end of this year. Had no idea. Um, have any of you said, I'm all done, I'm done, I'm, yet, I'm done? Yeah. Okay, well, here's a picture of immaturity. My little picture of my, this, this. This is such a picture. I chose this picture because I remember my sons doing this, and I used to be wonder, wondering, what would you do if I let go? <laughs> I mean, you're going to fall on your head. To get what you want, you're going to fall on your head. I was so tempted. You know, one of those, you learn the hard way. Well, I never did that, but I really thought about this. This is someone not trusting the will of the adult. Wouldn't you agree? Not trusting the will of the adult. I don't want this posture to be my posture with God. I don't want this to be me before God. Let's ponder on the fact that God was not caught unaware about anything that happened in this last year. God was not surprised. He was not surprised by any of it. God has given me the ability to live how he calls me to live. It's called his grace. All this year, he's given me the ability to live and learn and grow closer to him during this time. Um, if I reach out in my thoughts in fear, if I think about the future and I'm afraid, I reach out, I'm there alone, for his grace is for the present. God's grace is for the present right now. His grace will get me through. I might not really like 2021, but the childlike, childlike, humble, repentant, and trusting me knows God will carry me, and I can grow closer to him in any circumstance. So I'll leave you with these verses as a guide to mature thinking for the future. Psalm 62.5. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor comes from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And I turned it into a prayer. This is something that, again, I, I learned from Rick Warren, is that um, to take scripture and personalize it or pray it. So I actually, in my prayer journal and uh, with the women, I'll take a psalm like this and turn it into a prayer so it's easier to think about, I'm saying this to God. Let all that I am wait quietly before you, God, for my hope is in you. You alone are my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I 
will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from you, almighty God. And let me add, let my everyday, ordinary life, my sleeping, eating, going to work, or staying at home and working, walking around life, be an intentionally thoughtful offering to you, God. Amen.